Bismillahirrahmanirrahim In the name of Allah Most gracious Most merciful The psychology behind unethical behavior By Merit Widdle Widdlesburg This article appears in Harvard Business Review Let's start the reading. On a warm evening after a strategy off-site, a team of executives arrives at a well-known local restaurant. The group is looking forward to having dinner together, but the CEO is not happy about the table and demands a change. This isn't the one that my assistant usually reserves for me, he says. A young waiter quickly finds the manager who explains that there are no other tables available. The group tries to move on but is once again interrupted by the CEO. (coughs) Am I the only one annoyed by the view? Why is there construction happening today? He demands to know. The waiter tries to explain, but to no avail. You really need to up your game here, the CEO replies. The air is thick with tension. After the waiter walks away, someone makes a joke about the man's competence. This seems to please the CEO, who responds with his own derogatory quick. Sorry, who this seems to please the CEO, who responds with his own derogatory quip. The group laughs. If you were present at that dinner, would you let the CEO know that you disapprove of his language and behavior? Would you try to set a better example or stay silent? This scene encapsulates three psychological dynamics that lead to crossing ethical lines. First, there is omnipotence. When someone feels so aggrandized and entitled that they believe the rules of decent behavior don't apply to them. Second, We have cultural numbness when others play along and gradually begin to accept and embody deviant norms. Finally, we see justified neglect when people don't speak up about ethical breaches because they are thinking of more immediate rewards such as staying on a good footing with the powerful. So, omnipotence cultural numbness, justified neglect. The same dynamics come into play when much bigger lines get crossed in the corporate arena. Allegations of corruption at Nissan, sexual harassment charges in the media sector, privacy breaches at Facebook, money laundering in the financial sector, and pharmaceuticals role in the in the op, opi, 
opioid crisis. While it is hard, if not impossible, to find evidence that leaders in general have become less ethical over the years, some are sounding the alarm. Warren Buffett explaining Berkshire uh, Hathaway's practices in the annual letter shareholders notes that he and Vice Chairman Charlie Munger have seen all sorts of bad corporate behavior, both accounting and operational, induced by the desire of management to meet Wall Street expectations. What starts as an innocent fudge in order to not disappoint the street, say trade loading at quarter end, turning a blind eye to rising insurance losses or drawing down a cookie jar reserve can become the first step toward full-fledged fraud. Buffett's note is important because it's really about the majority of us. Neither saints nor criminals, but well-meaning, well-meaning leaders who sometimes fail to consult their moral compass while speeding ahead in a landscape full of trip wires and pitfalls. For that majority, moral leadership is not simply a question of acting in good or bad faith. It is about navigating the vast space in between. For that majority, moral leadership is not simply a question of acting in good or bad faith. It is about navigating the vast space in between. So how do you know when you or your team is on the road to an ethical lapse. Here is more on how to identify omnipotence, cultural numbness, and justified neglect in yourself and on your team, and a few tips on fighting each dynamic. Omnipotence. Many moral lapses can be traced back to this feeling that you are invincible, untouchable, and hyper-capable, which can energize and create a sense of elation. To the omnipotent leader, rules and norms are meant for everyone but them. Crossing a line feels less like a trans. Uh, crossing a line feels less like a, transgra- a transgression, and more like what they are owed. They feel they have the right to skip or redraw the lines. In the dinner party example above, it is no coincidence that the CEO's entitled and condescending behavior comes after a day of strategizing and masterminding the next big moves. Omnipotence is not all bad. Sometimes the rush you get from bold action is what's required to make breakthroughs or real progress. But the higher you climb on the ladder, the more it can become a liability. This is especially true if fewer and fewer of the people around you are willing and able to keep you grounded. If no one tells you no, you have a problem. One way to gauge whether you've reached peak omnipotence is if your decisions are met only with applause, deference, and silence. The psychological uh, counterweight to omnipotence is owning your flaws. 
It is a mature capability to look in the mirror and recognize that you are not above it all, owning your flaws. Especially if you are in a leadership position, assume you have weaknesses and think about them regularly. Sometimes you'll need help with this. The best performing executives I see have close colleagues, friends, coaches, or mentors who dare to tell them the truth about their performance and judgment. You should cultivate a similar group of trusted peers who will tell you the truth even when it is unpleasant. In addition, make sure to encourage an obligation to dissent among your core team. In addition, make sure to encourage an obligation to dissent D-I-S-S-E-N-T among your core team. Cultural numbness. No matter how principled you are, you must recognize that over time the bearings of your moral compass will shift toward the cultural of your organization or team. Will shift toward the culture of your organization or team. From my work with uh, police and military units infiltrating criminal groups, I have seen examples of how cultural numbness makes leaders cross lines. It usually starts subtly. Officers need to get to know and infiltrate a new culture. They need to fit in by speaking the language, acting according to code and addressing to fit in. But in doing that, they risk going too far, mimicking the culture of the gang members they are out to stop and getting caught up in a group's values system. The same kind of moral capture takes place in companies not overnight, but gradually. Psychologically, you are making a trade-off between fitting into the culture and staying true to what you value. At first, cultural numbness can take the shape of ironic distance or disillusioned resignation when there is a discrepancy between the two or between the ideals your company espouses and what you see demonstrated and rewarded. But the mind needs resolution. So over time, you stop noticing when offensive language becomes the norm, or you start to behave in ways that you would never have expected to be part of your repertoire. Cultural numbness is where I have seen the most severe breakdowns in ethical leadership because it's so hard to detect. Leaders who have crossed the line never describe this as a clear choice on that path, but as wandering down a muddy road where they lost track of what was right and wrong. They describe a process where they became numb to others' language and behavior and then to their own and lost their sense of objectivity. In essence, their warning bells simply stopped ringing. So start looking out for signs of moral capture. Those brief moments when you don't recognize yourself and other and and any other indications that you are subjecting your own personal agency to the deviant norms of the collective. Another regular gut check. Another regular gut check you can use involves asking whether you would be comfortable telling a journalist or a judge about what's going on. At the same time, you can always trust yourself in these situations. As with omnipotence, it can help to get an outsider's perspective turning to a trusted friend or family member who might be able to detect changes in you that you are not able to see. Also, remember to regularly extract yourself from your organization 
to compare and contrast its culture with others and remind yourself that the rest of the world may not work the same way. Justified neglect. The human mind is skilled at justifying minor incursions when there is a tangible reward at stake and when the risk of getting caught is low. On the production line of a pharmaceutical company, for example, a headed lab assistant forgets to remove all of her makeup. A speck of mascara accidentally drops into a batch of medicine large enough to serve a mid-sized country for a year. For a brief moment, the minuscule impurity draws a thin yellowish color uh, trail, but then it's gone impossible to detect. The medicine is life-saving and very valuable. With just a hint of makeup, that's probably harmless. Would you report the incident? If you were a manager who was quietly asked what to do, would you destroy the batch? Would you change your mind knowing that patients might suffer or even die from a serious production delay? Would your ballooning production budget would your ballooning production budget and the tenuous financial situation of your company factor into your decision? Would you push the problem up to your superiors knowing that those with a greater stake in the outcome might turn a blind eye to the incident? Many leaders have faced a choice between getting the reward or doing the right thing. The slippery slope starts right when you begin to rationalize actions and tell yourself and others this is an exceptional situation or we have to bend the rules a little to get things done here or we are here to make money not to do charity. These initial slips cascade into more which turn into habits you know are bad but which start to feel excusable and even acceptable given the circumstances and eventually become part of your moral fabric. It is hard to pinpoint exactly what an important line is crossed, but it's much easier to course correct at the very start of the slippery slope than when you are gliding full speed from what's right. Remember that power corrodes more than it corrupts. Remember that power corrodes more than it corrupts, often as a result of clever justifications of ethical neglect. You can combat this psychological dynamic by creating formal and social uh, contracts that oblige both you and your colleagues to do right, rewarding ethical behavior and defining and sharing your boundaries. The letter could be as simple as making a list of things you will not do for profit or pleasure, keeping it in a convenient place to read regularly and occasionally showing it to your team as a reminder. The the reality is that for many leaders, there is no true straight and narrow path to follow. There is no true straight and narrow path to follow. You beat the path as you go. You beat the path as you go. Therefore, ethical leadership relies uh, relies a lot on your personal judgment. Therefore, ethical leadership relies a lot on your personal judgment. Because of this, the moral or ethical dilemmas you experience may feel solitary or taboo, struggles you 
struggles you don't want to let your peers know about. Again, because of this, the moral or ethical dilemmas you experience may feel solitary or taboo. Struggles you don't want to let your peers know about. It can sometimes feel shameful to admit that you feel torn or unsure about how to proceed. But you have to recognize that this is part of work life and should be addressed in a direct and open way. Even though most companies have uh, some cultural and structural checks and balances, including values, uh, statements, CSR guidelines, and even whistleblower functions, leaders must also be mindful of the psychological conditions that push people, including themselves, to cross ethical lines. Understanding the dangers of omnipotence, cultural numbness, and justified neglect are like installing the first few warning signs on the long road of your career. You will inevitably hit some bumps, but the more uh, prepared you are to handle them, the likelier you are, the likelier you are to keep your integrity intact. Merit uh, Whittle, uh, Whittle, uh, Whittlesburg, or Whittlesburg works as an executive advisor to senior level leaders and teams in multinational corporations. She has practiced clinical psychology and has worked extensively with the financial sector. She is the author of Battle Mind, Performing Under Pressure and Holds. She holds a PhD in business economics and an MA in organizational psychology. Alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah.